Welcome to the Real Triathlon Podcast. I'm your host, Garrick Lowen, here with Nicholas Chase and Jackson Lund. Welcome back to the Real Triathlon Podcast. It's been a while, but we got all the guys back together. Nick, he's back from uh, sunny Cozumel. He is burnt like a tomato. Jackson, in between flips on his uh, chicken fingers right now in the oven. That's true, and I forgot to set the timer, so I better... uh, Thanks for the reminder. So we better rip through this intro then. Well, guys, it's nice to be back. It's always nice to, you know, sit down and talk to you guys. Um. I want to hear kind of how things have been going, Nick. Uh, obviously, last weekend there was a ton of racing racing happening. You were there. You got another solid finish, man. Top five. So this has been a huge breakout year for you. Talk us through Cozumel. What happened? I know it's always a shitty place to race. <laughs> oh well, thank you so much. So it's only shitty because as flat as it is, as much as you're like it's paradise, it should be like cool and fun. The conditions are just some of the hardest you'll face ever. Like with the blazing heat and humidity, it's like when the clouds go away, it's like a 30 degree swing. Um, and then also I was talking with Michael Lovato after the, on the plane ride out of there. And I was just mentioning like, why is the bike race here? The dirtiest bike race in the world in terms of drafting for the pro field. Leslie Smith experienced it too, um, who took home second place. Also, she crushed it. Um, and then I was just like, I was fifth because I was like the slowest of the, the fastest of the slow guys. Like the f- top four were still pretty ripper. Um, I, none of us after that were running really well. Um, we started, but then we all slowed down. So I, I kind of used this race as a quick vacation was going down there for some athletes that I'm so fortunate to coach. They invited me to stay with them. And like, we went out on boats, we had great meals. I was like, Oh man, this is just a vacation race. And then I dropped my bike off in transition and an hour later, this is probably like five or 6 PM the night before the race, I get like three or four messages, pictures on Instagram. Everyone's like, dude, just let me know your tires flat. And I'm like, mother effer. So I got to go all the way back down 25 minute drive to transition. And then I'm like, okay, I'll just put a tube in this bastard, put a tube in there. Uh, Cause it wasn't taking any fix of flat or anything. I'm run, running tubeless. And then that wasn't helping uh, the pinch flat immediately after about, two minutes of me pumping it up to pressure with a tube. So after all was said and done, I was like, Oh man, my rim tape probably failed. So rim tape had just gotten too thin since I had put it on initially in January over the spoke holes. It was like kind of ballooning in the spoke holes and one of them failed. So I was, I was like done. I was like, I don't have rim tape. I don't have a tube that can hold. I don't have electrical tape either. And it's like eight o'clock and we've got a race in the morning. So brought my wheel home from transition But then one of my lovely athletes who raced on Saturday, whose bike flew off the back of a taxi and had to use this mechanic, sent me this mechanic's information. I texted him. I was like, hey, dude, do you happen to have like a latex tube and some rim tape? And he texts me a couple pictures of what he had. And I was like, I'll give you you $100 if you come by. (laughs) So he was there within 30 minutes at like 830, fixed it. We just had dinner, late, late dinner for me. Like I'm always done with dinner so early. And then, uh, I was like, okay, I guess I'm racing again. I was, I had for about an hour, I just tapped out, posted it on the Insta. So it was like real. And I was like back in like a fat kid and cake. I was back yeah, in. It was good. All these like, I'm fucked, but I'm not racing. <laughs> I'm like, no way <laughs> it's not happening. Guaranteed you're going to be racing. And then of course, I, like an hour later, he's like, I'm back in, man. <laughs> I did. I was like, no, dude, I don't, I'm fine. I was fine with it though. Cause I had such a good time and all my friends are racing. I could cheer for him. Um, so anyways, that's what it was. Swim was, it was like another thing. Like it was the re- a reverse current, <laughs> which never happened. So it was like, it was like 200 at sub minute per hundred pace in the current. And then like about 25 minutes of swimming into the current at like, I don't know, two minutes per hundred. It was, it was such a strong current. And that's Cozumel's like tough on. So I know usually you swim with the current on the way back. It's like a little out and back, and then you swim back into like the harbor. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. And usually you got the nice low current. That's why people love that race. Well, and because it's a beautiful island. But Nick, don't you always go to Cozumel like every year? And every year, you I didn't like, want to this year. I was hot. like, 
Yeah, I was like, I'm not going to go to race. I'm going to go just to hang out and enjoy. And then I was like, well, after St. George, I was like, the week before, I was like, I'll bring my bike because I got to do Ironman training anyways. And I was like, well, my name's in the start list. Maybe I'll just race. And then I was going to race and I wasn't. My name's on the start list. How did that happen? (laughs) (laughs) And then it worked out. You pick up a thousand bucks or something for fifth probably, right? Uh, It's like, yeah, 12 or 13 and then some bonuses. So it wasn't. It wasn't the worst day ever at all. It was a great day. Um, Perfect training yeah. day, man. Yeah. So anyways, that's it. All good. And yeah. Wesley finished second, like you said. She had one of the fastest runs for the on the women's field, which was still 127 because it was so brutal uh, hot. Yeah. Well, we were there last and year, she, it was brutal hot, and I've heard it was even worse. So. so basically, even Leslie said she looked back at one point, and Perez was like within inches of her wheel, like an ITU race. So – it's just unreal how close we're allowed by the referees to get. And it's like, everyone just races for the rules on the course in there. It's a free for all there, basically. Um, it's just not right. Ironman. It has been, it's been this way since the inception of this race, it's a cultural thing versus us versus probably Latinas. Some of them are just used to draft legal since they grew up with it. And it's hard to turn that off. So it's a bit of a pain if you want to have a good race and try to break away on the bike but you just know going there you can't you're just not gonna you'll break the group up from 17 guys down to eight but you're not going to get away unless you're sam long which is that's what he had to do um last year yeah it was you know not surprising i swore off that race not necessarily all mexico races because some of them have a few hills which can at least help but yeah um I will never race in Mexico, not because of that reason, just because I hate the heat. The ITU, they made us, we always had to go down south and race, and it was always so hot, and I hated it. I couldn't imagine doing a half. And I was like, once on the bike. It's a true story. Yes, and on the run. <laughs> so anyway, yeah. no, no Mexico for Garrick, but that's all right. Um, um, but, but today's episode, let's jump in and talk about what we're going to do today. Okay. Yes. So today we're having a bit of a different mix up. We're going to have an age group athlete on named Marianne Gillespie. We aren't sure on the pronunciation on that. So that we might clarify be- the pronunciation. Yeah. However, I think it's just Gillespie. Gillespie. Okay, cool. Yeah. Probably. Anyhow, she has a really cool story. She's very successful in business in the real estate industry, but she kind of had a couple of low points. She Apparently at one point she was actually kind of homeless, lost her family, was like starting from nothing, built up her career. And then she was very successful, but she was, her health had, it had been a really low priority. She was, you know, she really needed to, to get back in shape and she found triathlon, really loved the sport. And she went from, you know, total noob, like nothing to now she's done an Ironman. So it'd be really cool to hear her perspective on how those Two, I, I look at that as two really amazing things that she's accomplished that are totally different uh, and how she mm-hmm. integrates that into what's obviously a very busy business. Um, she runs it's called Red Apple Coaching. She coaches real estate agents, you know, helps them through, you know, it's actually very tough being a real estate agent to build up your business. And uh, she helps them to do that. So she's been in Forbes magazine. Um, she was nominated for some pretty prestigious awards and uh, was it woman of the year? Is that, was that what she was, I was she was nominated for it for sure. Yeah. Which is incredible. So she's obviously very successful and, um, a lot of, probably a lot of our listeners are a little more focused on their careers than triathlon. So, yeah, you know, but you can still do an Ironman. She did. And we're going to hear about it. Yeah. I mean, this is like an overarching theme with most age groupers. I feel like it's, they're focused on their careers. They have full-time jobs that they're spending a lot of time to time with and, but they want to have this healthy lifestyle and they want to have these goals outside of work. And this is something that I think listening to her stories is going to be huge, not only for like motivational purposes, but just learning how someone can juggle that and be successful uh, across all walks of life. Yeah, absolutely. I'm super pumped to hear the story. I love business. Yeah, Nick loves. He's probably going to become a real stage and after this, after this episode. So this will be the last time we hear from Nick. Taking my test next Thursday. No, he'll just add it. He'll just add it to what he does. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, actually, true story. True story. Nick did tell me he wants to get his real estate license <laughs> a few weeks ago. 
<laughs> I actually just remembered that. Damn it. He's gonna he he's gonna have a package where they buy a house and three bikes with it. <laughs> yeah. House, three bikes, and they get six months free coaching. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Moving on. <laughs> well, I Let's think that's in. that's a good yeah. intro. I think maybe we should just roll into it. Absolutely. Thank you so much to Mary Ann Gillespie for joining us. She's here now. How are you doing today, Mary Ann? I'm like amazing. I'm absolutely fantastic. Cannot be better today. That's awesome. Great to hear. So I actually was introduced um, to the idea of having Mary Ann on the podcast by my fiance. She works with someone who is coached by Mary Ann through her coaching business, which is coaching for primarily in the real estate industry. Is that correct? Yeah, primarily in real estate. And we uh, we started branching out in the last year to uh, major businesses. So some major corporations that with the uh, sales industry. So really a sales focus. Cool. So before we get too much into that, let's take a step back. And I'm this is before you even got into triathlons that you started this business. Yeah. But even before that, um, kind of like, what was your career like? And how did you end up getting into this field? And I know you hit a pretty low point at one point. Can you kind of take us through how that all happened? Yeah. I mean, for myself, like you're talking about in the business field, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I think in the business field, just for myself, I started off in real estate and then I ended up, it just was really easy. I mentored with one of the uh, best real estate uh, agents in Canada and I mentored with him. I left a, a great VP job for that. And then I was like, this is easy. Like there's systems, there's models. And I, I just love that kind of stuff. I love the structure. And then I started looking at the stats and I was like, 80% of people in real estate fail in their first year. And I was like, that doesn't make any sense. And I'm like, why, why would they fail? And I was introduced early um, to coaching. And then that's when I was like, this is amazing. So I hired the best real estate coach, launched my career. Um, just within the first couple of years, I was a millionaire in real estate. And that was, I was like, this is kind of, this is kind of easy. I was like, why is everybody failing? So then I started writing the systems and models and then it catapulted into an amazing career that I was like, when something's just a little too easy for me, I'm kind of like, you know what, what's next. And so that's kind of what happened. And then I opened up the coaching business and realized that I had this amazing ability to just make people millionaires and through systems and models. So I just started expanding it and expanding it. And now we're absolutely massive and we coach over 800 companies and, uh, you know, and uh, we're opening our third coaching company, which is expanding into businesses. So it's, it's literally my passion. And the low point actually was when I had to go and work for somebody else and build their coaching company. And that was literally when my health and wellness just went to the wayside and, and, and that was probably the lowest point, but that was also the best point because it was really a good U-turn to say, I got to open my own company. And so then I went and built it myself. Awesome. Holy cow. Yeah. <laughs> so how many, so what kind of time frame are we talking about from when you like first became a real, a realtor at first, right? And yep. then till now, like how long has that been? So that, that's been, I guess I'd say it's been about 20, 20 years total career. Um, so the total career has been about 20 years now. And I would say just in the last, it's been about 14 years for my coaching company. So that's been really awesome. And really just opening my own coaching company and going out on my own has been about five and a half to six years. So I was doing it sort of part-time while I was building other companies. And then the, they should hit the fan, I guess, five years ago where I was like, that's it. I got to do this for myself. And I, I built a $50 million coaching company for somebody else. And I'm going, what am I doing? <laughs> what am I doing with this? So I said, I got to get out of this and build my own. So, so I did. And uh, yeah, it was crazy. I was, um, I, I fought every obstacle actually to stop me from opening it. So I was sued. I was blacklisted. I was everything trying to, oh, oh yeah, it was, it was aggressive. Um, I was, you know, I mean, it was what it is. It's a very aggressive industry, believe it or not. So, um, so anyway, long story short, I fought a lot of hills and battles. I had a, had about two years of a non-compete, non-disclosure, non-communication. I couldn't even advertise my own company for two years. I had to do it all word of mouth, not a trace. So it was really, it was a great challenge. So it was worth it. So it's been awesome though. I wouldn't change a thing of how it went down. Well, all of that carries over into sports and that vice versa. It's just unreal. It really is. I mean, it's, it's the, I think if you're a person who has drive in one area, 
And, you know, you have resilience and perseverance and everything else. And my life story is just as, uh, as absolutely crazy. I mean, my family passed away when I was young, I was homeless. And so I have a lot of, I have a lot of history of overcoming some pretty, pretty challenging times. And, uh, and I always seem to really just be able to see the right way to go. And the determination is insane. So, you know, if you have that in one area, I think that's why I like triathlon so much is that you can carry it over and really like just kick it in another area. So it's all transferable. If you're great at triathlons, you'll probably be excellent at business too. Oh, and um, where are you geographically? So our listeners know. Yeah. So I'm in Ottawa right now. So I live in Ottawa currently. Okay. And is that where you started and built everything or did you have to travel around? No, I built everything in Ottawa for sure. I'm okay. from Quebec, so I'm from Montreal, but um, but the business side, I started back in Ottawa for sure. It's a little bit easier. Quebec has a little bit too many rules. That it is has even more rules in Ontario. That's crazy. Oh, it's it's crazy. Yeah, if you, you want to open a business, in Canada. If you want a place to have rules, just move to Canada. Just, just move to Canada. Rules. You want real bad rules? <laughs> move to Quebec. It's really hard. I was gonna hard. say that's if you had to sum up Quebec in one sentence, it's they have rules. That's <laughs> <laughs> all it is. They have rules. That's yeah. it. Nothing so, else. So it's very hard. Obviously, quite successfully, uh, quite successful in business. But we are on the Real Triathlon Podcast, yes. and we have so many blue-collar, white-collar people that listen to this that do triathlon and that dedicate a lot of time to their work, but they also want to have this triathlon lifestyle. So I think what I want to do right now is start from the beginning and how you got into triathlon, and I think a lot of people can probably connect to that and then build up to you just did an Ironman, which is amazing. Yeah. So take us right from the start. Like, the where did you start? My second Ironman in like a month. I'm like, what am I doing oh this God. year? <laughs> it's crazy. I love it. Yeah, it's kind of nuts. I'm like, I'm sitting here just going, that that was really poor life decisions. Anyway, <laughs> but uh, that's what it is, is what it is. I'll show you a picture, but you can't, you know, I don't know if you've seen it yet, but you may freak out a little. Um, but this was the defining moment. So this was an actual moment where I was like, oh my God, I'm like done. Um, so I don't even fit in the picture, but this is it. So that was me before that was at my lowest. So that was me there. So I don't really even fit in that picture, but as you can see, I was out for a bike ride that day. Okay. We don't want to look at that too long. Um, anyway, <laughs> that could be a little well, shocking. So, well, so, so like really totally quick from person now, like it wouldn't, I wouldn't quick. even recognize you. Yeah. It's, it's, it, you can't. Since a lot of us, a lot of people will be listening in their car too. Like she showed us a picture where there's like a vast difference between her body composition when she was at her lowest versus now. So, so, you know, data speaking, you know, what, 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 it was 300 pounds, 300 pounds. Let's just say, let's just rip that bandit off. (laughs) I like ate everything. I was working half in Texas and half in, in Canada. And I was just in that place in that corporate world where I was like, what am I doing? I was working crazy hours and inside I was, and it wasn't like, I've never really been a large person. That was just a really bad period in a a very bad period. And, and that just escalated and escalated. And when you're, when you're really unsatisfied with one area, you know, everybody can have, um, I like to think of it as almost an addiction. And, you know, you look at it like that is like, if you're really unhappy in an area, you're going to feed something and some people feed alcohol, some people feed other things and exercise even, and other people just go into a different realm. And I just was traveling so much. So I ate everything, like literally friggin' everything. Um, but <laughs> you know what? And then next thing you know, I was out for a bike ride with a group of friends and I was like, I, you know, and I don't know what it was. I guess I was just it got out of control. And I looked and I saw that picture and I went, Oh my God. And I was like, what is this? And I, what happened? And it was just that exact moment of that exact picture. That was the, the U-turn where I was like, I got to leave this lifestyle. It's not healthy. And uh, it's not serving me any purpose. And inside there was like this athlete. I always played competitive soccer, skier, the whole nine years. I was like, I don't know what happened. And I just said, you know, screw it. So I left. And, uh, and then that's when I said, you know, what's a really big challenge. Cause I was still running marathons at that size. So I was like, that's not cool. Um, it was very difficult. They were very long marathons. That's um, perseverance right there. And l- yeah. I mean, look at you now, look at the bone structure you're working with. Oh, it's now. crazy. <laughs> it's, it's amazing. Like, I, I think that's, what's been the, I, I would say that we look at gifts, right. And it's like, if you can run marathons at that size, and then when you take the weight off, 
it's like this amazing like performance level that just is when you start to learn and you start to learn about cycling and swimming and everything, it takes you this whole level. So then I was like, forget it. Let's get into like, what's really challenging. I was like, I'm going to become an Ironman. And I said to the, the cycling group, I said, guys, I just become an Ironman. And they're like, okay, but like you barely cycle and you don't really swim. And they're like, and well, you're a slow runner. Cause you're, you know, 300 pounds. And I'm like, no, I'm going to like transform this. And I'm like, and I'm not turning back. And I'm like, I'm all in, all in. And I'm like, I'm doing this. And I did. So that was the beginning of the journey. I was like, I'm done. And uh, that was it. Did you, did you hire someone to help you get started? How did you start the, cause that had to be the hardest, like couple of weeks of your life. <laughs> couple of weeks, two years of exorcisms every day, Okay. okay. every day. It was like waking up to the exorcism and you're like, I had five coaches. I looked up who were all, you know, these tough coaches and everything else like that. Cause I thought I'm a coach. So I know where to hide and I know all the games that you can play. So I was like, let's do this. Right. I was like, if I'm doing something, I, I you know, I'm competitive. I want to do it. I wanted my insides and my outsides to match. And I said, I got to do this and uh, it's going to be long. And I think that's what holds a lot of people back who maybe aren't in the perfect physique or, or have a stereotype of it is that, you know, there is no quick fix. I mean, there is quick fixes, I guess, but realistically, this took two years um, and I hired five coaches and I even hired like a nutritionist. I hired a food counselor. I hired a yogi. I went all in and I was like, I want to have complete balance and really understand how I got there, but also how to get on the other side. And I needed them every day because every day was every day. And, you know, even today you wake up and you've got to be incredibly disciplined and you've got to never go back to that habit and that lifestyle because that's what it was. So did you they, have relapses? Have I? Yeah. During that period, like, did you have relapse? No, I didn't have any relapses. I, it's a mindset. My background is also neurosciences. So I've got a background in neuroscience. And that's one of the things that I'm pretty strong about is that when I make up my mind on something, that's it. Like I'm all in and, uh, and you can't, you can't like, you just can't go back there. You can't relapse. Yeah. That was two years ago. You said uh, that took two years. I'm, I'm what, four years now, three and a half, four years, but that was, that took two years in the process to get there. Yeah. And the, uh, the Ironman was the, was the kind of, you know, let's get this done, which was supposed to happen last year, but it didn't because of COVID. So pushed out to this Tulsa one past May. So, That's so awesome. yeah, yeah, it was crazy, crazy, crazy. Oh, I was there. Nick was there. Yeah. Were you? Oh, that was like, that oh, was just awesome. Kidding getting pissed on for about four and a half hours on the old bike there. I couldn't see shit. That, that Mud everywhere. I was like, I was like, oh, I'm sitting here from Canada. I'm going, this has been the worst training year of our life. And I'm like, I'm like, oh shit. I didn't look up. I didn't even look. I was like, I just signed up. I was like, Tulsa is the earliest one. And then I'm like, what the hell is that? Oh my God. It's 5,000 feet of climbing. Oh shit. And I was like, that's not good. And I was like a hundred yeah. degrees in May and I'm a Canadian. That's not a good race. <laughs> But it was fun. I loved it. Luckily, we didn't have that weather. But holy cow, incredible for you to just go into that. Because that, that was a tough bike course. Like, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. I, there was a couple of times in the last 30 miles. I was like, are you freaking serious right now? Like, <laughs> I can't see. And I got it. It's like that part in, uh, what is it, Step Brothers? It's like, I got a belly full of white dog shit. And you're going to throw this on me? <laughs> <laughs> I know. I was like... <laughs> I just sit there just going, just get like, I was just like, get me through this. And I'm like, just get me through this, man. I just wanted to get through it. But I, but I was also there earlier. I went a month earlier and I was looking and I, I was training in the water. I was going, what is up with the wind? And I'm like, what is this place? And like, I took yeah. some videos. I was like, if it's this windy on race day, that's it. Like, I'm just going to like, I don't know what's going to happen at that point. I was like, it's well, over going to do it no matter what, obviously, no matter what I was all in, all in. Yeah. I was like, let's just do this. It was all in. I, um, in the wintertime, I trained in, um, I found an abandoned because I'm in uh, Ontario and Quebec was closed and whatnot. And uh, all the pools were closed. So we lost our pools. And I was like, I need the pool training. And uh, so I found an abandoned uh, pool in a house that was like, it was uh, solarium. So it was freezing cold in the winter. And I just double <laughs> neoprene and I went in and I was like, heart rate monitors, double neoprene. And I went in that sucker and I was like, it was the worst training of my life. And I was like, I will not quit. I'm like, this is going down. So you're like the best. You're person like the only person who the best found <laughs> swimming. I, I, I thought I was the first person to swim and I was swimming in like ponds and stuff that were like 40 degrees. Nope. Of- <laughs> 
I'm like, I'm like, let's see, you know, how am I going to get this done? And I was like, I just mentally, you have to be there. If it's your first big race, you're kind of like mentally, you have to kind of be there. And I'm like, how am I ever going to feel good in the water? Like if I can do this, if I can swim in like freezing cold, abandoned pools in the middle of the winter, you know, what, what else is going to stop me? Nothing. Um, I, I have a couple of things I want to talk about before we sure. move out of situation where you were you know fighting getting getting healthy again like yeah i i, I want to know more about the associate like i guess the mental fitness aspect of it because number one you know being a woman it's tough to have any weight issues and feel comfortable and number two food is the hardest thing when it comes to somebody changing their life because literally we have a grocery store in our house that could be stocked with whatever we want so totally you know emotionally, how did you overcome some of those obstacles with carrying around that much weight, but also still trying to lose it and feeling, I don't know if you felt judged or not, but, and then also what type of, you know, things and hurdles did you um, encounter with food? Yeah. So, I mean, those are two powerful questions. The reality is, is that it is an incredibly, incredibly cruel, um, I guess you could say for anybody who is, is struggling with weight and trying any field of sports that is out there where you can visually see it. It is every minute of everything is, is a struggle. It's always like for years I would do marathons, you know, at that size and I would show up and they'd be like, Oh, are you here to volunteer? Or are you like, like, it was always like, like they never thought I was running the marathon. And it was like, no, I am running the marathon. They'd be like, Oh, Okay here you go. And, and yeah. it's just kind of like, you're, you kind of feel like what, like, that's crazy. The difference is, is like, you're very much judged that way. So you get those, those underlying tones and those underlying comments. They're like, Oh, come on, man. Like, no, I'm actually going to run. And they're like, really like that. Oh, or you get the, you're doing great. You're doing great comments. Right. And you're like, what? <laughs> I can't go any faster. Um, so you get a lot of that. And in the period of losing that weight, it was, insanely hard to convince people, but a lot of people who know me know if I set my mind to something, you know, they didn't know I would come this far, um, which is really quite fascinating to a lot of people that are watching uh, me and my progress. But um, anybody who knows me knows I've just been through hell and back in my personal life ever since, you know, ever since I can remember. So it's like, that's ingrained in me. I wasn't going to quit, but the judgment is really tough for any, any female that struggles, even if you're a professional and you have a baby kind of like, like Miranda, like, right. She has a baby and she comes back and like, they have, they have weight issues and it's like, you know, people look and they're just like, and they're like, oh yeah, you know, mm. and it's, and it's very physical. So you can't hide it. And tons mm -hmm. of people have issues, you know, in the sports industry, you just can't see them. You can't see them. So it's kind of like, whatever this one, you can see, you can feel it. Every freaking mile hurts. Everything is terrible. And then er things aren't fitting and things don't, you know, nothing feels great. So it's kind of like, you're, you're battling the insecurities and they're visual, but you can also, if you're, if you're a very susceptible person, you can see everybody, everybody's looking and they're like, Oh, good for you. You're kind of doing it. And it's, it becomes kind of weird because if you're competitive, you're kind of almost obsolete because they're like, you're too overweight or whatever. So you have to deal with the, you have to deal with the punches. And I guess I'm kind of that person that's like, you know, my bike, you know, I, I look at it and I've learned to, to love stuff. Like, I'm like, Hey, you know what? I want to, I love the underdog. I love the person who you never see coming and they just kind of go, go, go. And then all of a sudden it's like, where'd they come from? And, and that's kind of, you know, I said, that's what I'm going to do. And I know where I'm going. I'm very confident in where I'm going and I'm very confident in what I do. So I didn't really let that get to me. So, um, but it was very hard and it's incredibly, I talked to a lot of females, um, and I get, a massive quantity amount of females reaching out to me, um, who know my journey. And they're like, you know, talk to me, like, help me out here. You know, this is a really difficult time and you can't even find like wetsuits. Like literally I'm a size six right now and I'm an extra large in a wetsuit. Like that's just a messed up industry. Like there's not even Whoa. wetsuits that yeah, like size six and I have to order an extra large. That's, that's kind of messed up. So I think the, the, the industry might need to change a little bit. You know, I don't know if I'll be the one to do it, but, uh, but I think that, you know, it's getting more and more comfortable and more, more females are doing it. So but, that's the well, answer to your first sharing. question. Yeah, yeah. Thanks for sharing that. I, I really, I coach a lot of athletes and I know that that's a struggle and any, and honestly, even when I was just at Cozumel last week and watching, cause there was two day races, I could see the run course right in front of the house. Like there was some 
big women and big men. And like, all I could think to say was like, I am so proud of you for being out here right now, because I could just tell I, how, how hot I was just being a spectator. So that struggle had to have been intense and, and Terrible. To your minds can't do it. You can't. And it, and it's terrifying. It's, it's really terrifying looking around, seeing all these like great fit bodies and you're going, ah, and it, it is, you know, you're just going, okay, am I going to die? Am I going to die? And I was like, and I, and I remember I did Muskoka and, uh, and I was in the water for Muskoka. It was my kind of first intro to it. And I was like, I can swim. I know I can swim. I'm like, I don't need a wetsuit. I can swim. I got this. And then it was me and some 80 year old racing at the end. It was like, it was terrible. <laughs> I was like, I was like, and of course everybody's like, oh, it's because you're larger. And I was like, no, it's because honestly, I, I did what a lot of people do at the beginning. They underestimate how much swim training you actually need. And, yeah. uh, that was terrifying, but, but it's like the misconception. So it's, um, you know, it's kind of hard. It is hard, but I think it's, it's also at the same token, it can be incredibly inspiring to, to do interviews like this because yeah, you know, there that's, I was 300 pounds and you know what? I fought hard to get where I got to it and it is totally worth it. You totally did it, worth you it. Did it all. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. So how in Tulsa, maybe just give us like a real quick, uh, quick recap of how the race went. Like, obviously it was really <laughs> rainy. Like, was it, what did it go well? Were you happy with it? Obviously your goal was probably just to finish because it was your first Ironman, but I was just, I wanted to finish. I was like, um, it was hard because, you know, uh, when, when actually COVID hit, if you're a CEO and you have 800 small business owners, it was like the freaking, it was the worst. It was the worst thing. Cause I'm in the middle of training and I'm going, Oh my God, I'm going to lose my company. Like that's the first thing that went through my head. Small business owners, they're going to be hit. What am I supposed to do? What is this? And, um, so I was working about like 16, 16 hour days, you know, pretty long days. And then putting in all the training, you know, in the middle of the night, first thing early, early, early in uh, four o'clock in the morning and all that kind of stuff. And, um, so training to Tulsa, I had to make a decision. I was like, First of all, my first Ironman, no clue, like first Ironman, no race in well over a year and a half. Um, so training that I thought was okay, but it was winter training. So I was terrified. And so I decided to move down to Tulsa a month before. And, um, and I was like, I'll just move down there a month before totally alone. I mean, I'm traveling during COVID. Um, we didn't have our full vaccines at the time. And I was like, I got to do this. Like I had to do it. I couldn't train anymore. I've been training almost steady for about a year and a half. And I was like, I'm just, I won't be able to do it. And, um, anyway, that happened. And I was like, I'm going to go do it by myself see what happens. And I remember just going, this is freaking terrifying. I've never even flown with my bike before. And I was like, so here I am in Tulsa COVID everybody's freaking out. It's not very well received back home. People are like, I'm like, I got to worry about the image for my company is really safe as it's not, but everybody who knew me knew, um, that I had to, it was that, it was that 300 pound moment. It was like that moment that the caterpillar becomes a butterfly. You got to do it. It's like something inside of you. And I was willing to risk it all. So I went down there. I was so friggin' happy. Like the people are amazing. I immersed myself in all these training clubs. And to be honest with you, everything went good until I actually, I got in a little bit of an accident transition, um, because I was an idiot. I sat on the ground, somebody fell on me, um, punctured my stomach and well, it swelled my Ooh. stomach. Yeah. So, so what happened at the end, I was so happy. Like my swim was spot on my bike. I wanted to, I wanted to hit about 18 and a half miles per hour, hit it. No problem. And I felt stellar, like amazing everything. It was the best experience I ever had. I was like, the worst conditions for, for, um, for cycling, I'm okay with, I don't care. Like everything was amazing. And then, uh, I screwed up in transition by making a mistake. I sat on the ground, tripped somebody. It was my fault completely. Um, they landed on my stomach and whatever happened there, it just swelled right up. I couldn't even, I could barely move on the run. And I was like, I, I didn't know what the heck to do. Every time I tried to drink something, it would just come right back up. So I was like, oh, okay, this is not a good thing. So anyway, I just, I did the best I could for the, I had so much time on the, on the run. I was like, I'll just do the best I can. And I was like, it's about finishing and it's about, can I finish? And, uh, and I did. So I was like super proud of that, but I had met like, um, I had met, uh, Mike Riley and those guys beforehand. And so they were, they, they gave me some great advice in the bike uh, area and they were just like, you know, just keep through it. Whatever happens, happens. It's your first one. So just get to the finish line. And I just was like, I was all by myself. And I'm like, when you're all by yourself and you're freaking doing that stupid marathon and you're like, and you're in pain <laughs> and you can't run and you're sitting there just going, this is like going to be the worst 26.2 miles of my freaking life. 
And, uh, and I just pushed through it. I was like, forget it. I'm going to freaking do this. And I'm like, get me the hell through this. And I was, thought I was hallucinating. And there was times where the pain was so bad that I was, um, I was keeled. There was 20 minute increments where I was like keeled over on the side. Just, I didn't know if I could finish it. Like mile, I think 17, I was like, that's it. Like I, I never quit anything. And I'm like, that was just the pain. I've never experienced pain like that in my life ever, 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 ever. And then I was like, I got to do this. I got to do this. Cause I knew everybody back home was tracking and watching. And, and this was a journey I had to finish. And there's a reason for everything. And there was a reason it all went down and transitioned that way. And I had to see what happened on the other end. It was, it was you don't like things that are too easy, right? So <laughs> are you freaking kidding? <laughs> that was hell. That was absolute hell. That's why I'm kind of like, I, I'm like terrified of Florida. I'm like, I just want to finish that run. And I'm like, man, I don't know what's going to happen in Florida, but I'm like, I need like a little bit of a, a, a reprieve on that one. I worked really, <laughs> I'm like, I worked hard on my freaking run. I ran in minus 29 degree weather. I'm like, that was terrible. You're going to be in transition in Florida. Like, all right, some what's happening? Who's coming at me? Am I going to get punched here? Or, like, you're just going to be waiting around the corner. <laughs> well, the best is I'm watching the frigging videos of the transition in, in Tulsa. And I was the last, last bike. And so like, I filmed this little video, cute video beforehand. I'm like, oh, look at this. Look at my bike number. It's the last one. And then I was like, oh, this is so cool. And then all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, it's right there. There was a pylon and a hole. And I legitimately moved the pylon, sat next to the hole and put my feet out and tripped somebody. I'm like, what? It's <laughs> just, what was I thinking? It was the dumbest thing I've that's, ever done. That's athlete brain. And we all get it. And we, in the middle of race, all the blood is in your legs, not your brain. Oh, no shit. Cause like <laughs> that was just terrible. But, um, but you know what? I still finished it. You know, just, I had a, I had lots of time to finish and I was like, you know what? It was, it wasn't a big deal. I was really actually, to be honest with you, you got to look at stuff and you got to think whatever happens happens. And I was like, and I remember seeing it was Heather Jackson that I saw right beforehand. And she's just like, she's got this like energy. She's always like, so freaking happy and everything like that. And I was like, you know what? I'm like, that's, you know, just I'm here. I'm going to finish this. Like if, you know, I can do this. And I'm like, as long as my body doesn't uh, swell up, my stomach was swollen pretty big. And I was like, as long as it doesn't kill me, I'm fine. So what was that injury? Like you went to the medical after and they, yeah, I went down to the hospital after. And so I just went down to the hospital after and it just ended up that it was severely bruised. And I guess because of everything, it had a big bruise on it that had swollen up and it was actually blocking my kidneys from, from processing anything. Oh, no big yeah. deal. Yeah, it's, it swelled up the whole area and it was just, uh, yeah. it was, it spread out and it just got worse and worse. And because I wasn't able to have fluid or anything, it just got worse. It was terrible. So it was fun. It was fun. So you couldn't drink anything at all during the entire run. Couldn't drink. I couldn't drink at all. Like it, like legitimately, I was like, that's why I couldn't really even try to run because it was a little bit too hot. And so with everything going on, I was like, well, this is terrible. I tried. And it was like, I was like, if I can't drink fluid, then how am I supposed to, how am I supposed to run? Yeah. Weren't the people in Tulsa nice too? What's that? Weren't the people in Tulsa so incredibly kind as well? They were crazy nice. Like, honestly, I was sitting there just going, I've never been like, I, I love technical courses. Like I thought that was really fun and I thought it was amazing, but I was like, the people were killer. Nice. Like yeah. I've never been to a city like that where people are just like, Oh, you want to come swim with us? Come swim with us. You want to bike with us? And like hundreds of cyclists just biking together and nobody cares who you are. And I was like, you don't see that in Ottawa. Like you never see that. So I, I recently moved to the Midwest from, from Canada and everyone always talks about Canadians, how nice they are, but it like, I've met some of the best people I have ever met moving to the Midwest. Like people are so nice here and just like caring and very endearing. And I was kind of shocked. It's like back home. It's not like that. It's no. not like that. It's weird. I'm like, I, you know what? We'll keep them pretending that we're super freaking nice, but we're, we're not. I, mean, I, now think, compared so. to- I think we're polite, but I don't That's think it. we're nice. I think we're polite. Yes. Like we'll say thank you and please and all that. But when it comes to actually like really caring, about people that you've never met and doing nice things is yep. Canadians are kind of like, man, I've got my own friends. You, you go do your own thing. That's someone exactly flipped, how it is. Someone flipped me off for about 10 minutes straight, but drove next to me with the finger up on the, on the highway there. <laughs> what were you doing? What were you doing? <laughs> Riding a bike. Oh, listen, I accidentally, I almost... so there were, you know, when somebody merges onto the highway 
uh-huh. I like could tell that I was going to be like, my speed was going to carry me in front of them. So they wouldn't, they would be fine. They could go in right behind me. No one had to do anything crazy. No one blew up or shit their pants. And <laughs> the next thing I know, this woman's next to me, just holding the bird at me for about 10 minutes. And I was like, I don't <laughs> really know what I did. Is- you dated that candy. person. You just couldn't yeah. recognize them. <laughs> yeah, that That's what happened. Probably- you, gotta be, you gotta check who you've dated in the past because I'm pretty sure that was probably, they're like, forget yeah. it. Or right. anything to do. Hey, listen, I always got smoked the other day and somebody's like, and I, and I, I, the person stopped, which was really crazy. And they almost killed me on the road. And I was sitting there just going, okay. And I, I was doing uh, my thing. And so I stopped and I'm like, what was that? And the guy goes, I hate pink and you're all in pink. He's like, get off the road. I'm like, what? I'm like, oh, I'm like okay, thank like you. It. That's crazy. Like, I don't... Canadians aren't nice. They're not nice. I don't like air. You're breathing my air. <laughs> That's it. That's it. So, <laughs> no, no, that's crazy. I've got another, you know, follow-up question here now. So yeah, you've yeah. done the Iron Man, you got another one coming up. What is your what are your goals now in terms of triathlon? Like, are you trying to like get faster are you trying to do longer are you going to do like ultraman like what's next for you so i'm doing chicago on thanksgiving so chicago marathon so i'm going to go and just practice that then i'm going to do florida um florida i just want to see what a flat fast ocean swim that kind of thing you know i i'm a i love hills and i love climbing and stuff so i really work this year on my speed um and what i what i've kind of it's weird i'm really really loving cycling so i want to do um i want to pour a lot into cycling races, but I also at the same time, cause I love it. I mean, I'm great at it. I love it. I think, I think I'm okay. I'm 25 miles per hour on a road bike. So I think that's okay. Um, so, but I love it and, uh, and I love that stuff. And so I think for me, I want really challenging. Um, if I'm going to continue on with triathlons, I want them to be super challenging. So I want them to really just push me. Uh, Tulsa was great. I think Florida is probably going to be really good. Um, as well, but I want some really challenging ones. So I just want to see what's out there and push it up a little bit um, with a really big focus on in some races that are very hard for cycling and uh, really challenged me there. Not so much on, on the running and, and that stuff. Swimming is fine for me as well, but uh, I don't know what's, uh, what's next, except for I got I to gotta push the envelope. And to be honest with you, Ironman's fun. Um, it is fun, but I don't know. You, you like, there's something bigger and it's, it's chasing me and it's calling me and my speed is getting insanely fast in all three fields right now. And I've got an amazing running coach that I'm working with and I've got uh, cycling that's going amazing. And then also with my swim coaches are outstanding. So everything is finally starting. The speeds are really getting there. So I'm not sure where it's going to take me, except World I want bigger. Yeah, maybe, maybe Norseman or Patagonia man. I was thinking of Patagonia, man. I was reading that one and I was like, I really, it appealed to me because I've always wanted to go um, there as well. And I was like, that actually really, that one got me. So that's a very big possibility. Nick's done it. If you need help with, if you need help with logistics for Norseman or Patagon man or Swiss man or Kelp man, let me know. Okay. I'm leaning towards Patagonia because that's honestly, there's something about it. That's just, it feels right. So I'll definitely reach out for that one, but something challenging. I mean, you know, bigger 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 yeah cool well boys what do you well, think we've pretty much learned uh learned how to be resilient here i think no matter what Eric you learned how to be resilient and he's coming back so he'll be crushing it again we've uh we've all gone through some stuff we've come back so i mean i think you've you've taken the cake for sure but you have to like i think something that nick has said like just to there was a question that nick asked about the people who have careers that's a, that's something that you really have to hone in on. Like anybody who has, we're seeing a huge emergence, or at least I'm seeing it with females. We're seeing a ton of females who are like, not just the body types and changing and lifestyles, but we're seeing these, it's this whole generation of women like me who are like, they're business owners, they're CEOs, we're powerhouses in our, in our business life. And we're finding that chase to the triathlon world is like, freaking alluring. Like we love, we, we work extra hours in business. So it's like, we're okay with working the extra hours, putting in for training. You can never be too great. The triathlon world is like, you know, sure. You might've done really well in one race, but there's always somebody who's going to do better. And there's always somebody, some area that you can improve in. So it's like this constant, it's the perfect parallel to, uh, to business women. It's perfect. And you're seeing this like this launch where it's like getting insane right now, where, where a lot of the women, I mean, in, well, I'm seeing it in my city 
it's insane. The competition. I mean, in Ottawa, I've never seen so many strong triathlete women that are emerging and they're just like, they're jonesing on it. They're loving it. And they're like, let's do this because they're taking the business and they're crushing it. And like I said, we don't mind, you know, 16 hour days at work and then hammering at 16 hours a week in training. It's, it's not that much of an adjustment, believe it or not. It's the challenge is alluring. It's very, very awesome. Um, do you have kids? Nope. 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 Helps a little bit. <laughs> Helps a little bit, but I own three companies, right? So okay. you've got yeah. you've got three kids. I have three kids, and we yeah. So I mean, and I have a lot of staff. So it's like I don't I don't know. I do agree though. I think it would be really difficult if I had kids. Um, but I you know I have uh, I have a deaf dog. Does that count? <laughs> well, if you had you kids, you probably have about six. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's it's hard, but a lot of the chicks that that I hang out with. Um, they're legitimately like they are moms and stuff like that. And they're, they're hardcore. They're probably as hardcore as you can imagine, because it's like, they're used to all this drama and this stuff. You're just adding another yeah. layer to their schedule. Yeah. You know, and hearing you talk about like the women in the sport is, is awesome because I feel like, not, I feel like I know there, we need more women in this sport is incredibly underrepresented. I think the stats is like 70, 30 men or something. You guys can correct me on that, but it's, it's right. something like that. Um, so having a good role model like you, and that's obviously one of the reasons that we do like to get women on this podcast is for people to see that like, it's, it's doable and, you know, it's totally, do- it's totally doable, but it's also like, I think in Tulsa, Tulsa, I think it was like, it was something like 15% of the field or it was very low. The number of women, like the ratio was insane. And I remember I was like, I was going into the swim area and I was, you know, to train and it was like this group people and it was I think there was like 25 dudes and just it was me and one other chick and we were like okay we're like that's that's interesting but then it's it's also the coolest thing is is you're seeing the merge like I was just watching the worlds and you know you're seeing you're seeing the highlights no offense but the highlights are going a lot to the women it's really freaking exciting seeing some of the the women like you know we love that yeah, you guys are great. I mean, I'm not going to say you're not amazing. You're totally freaking spectacular, but you're looking at the women and you're going, that's some pretty badass women out there that are, that are raising the standard and they're kind of, you know, and they're all different. So it's like, if you like one, you probably wouldn't like another, but like people can resonate with them. And it's like, it's all these different types and they're fiercely badasses. And it's like, how can you not be inspired? And, you know, I don't think it's too far off before you'll see, you know, possibly the times even start to come closer together. Yeah, I think that's yeah, true. Sure. I mean, um, Lucy Charles was almost under four hours at, at, uh, you know, she, she definitely finished ahead of a lot of the men. Like she did. The pro men, so it's amazing. Who's your favorite pro female triathlete? So, I mean, there's two, there's two. I mean, I do the Heather Jackson, because I think she's raw. Like she is just really like, she's got that killer attitude. I think she represents, you know, she represents what I think triathlete triathletes really are. She's got that lifestyle. She really digs it. She's pretty cool about it. She's really happy about things. And then you've got the goat, which is Lucy Charles. And she's just literally, I mean, she's that unreachable, that person who you're just like the dedication, the motivation, the drive, the determination. I mean, you see that woman and you're just like, you're so inspired by her. So like those two represent very different um, athletes, but at the same token, freaking inspiring. And I mean, you can't ask for, I mean, you look at Lucy Charles, I mean, look what she's doing with the battle braids and the cute stuff. And she's mixing this femininity into the, into the field where she's truly feminine, which I think is something that, you know, I don't want to get too controversial, but sometimes, you know, you can look quite masculine, um, as women in triathlete world, like, you know, the body types and the builds can be very intimidating to, to it. So it's kind of nice to see Lucy Charles, who's incredibly feminine, but also incredibly fierce. And And so she's really bringing that young girls. And when I was in Tulsa, um, the, the young, young, young girls who are standing on the side of the road with their dads, um, when we were cycling, you know, all these young little girls are screaming and they're just going, yeah, yeah. Every time they saw a female on a bike, you know, they screamed so loud at us. It was incredible. And they were like, oh, there's a girl, there's a girl, there's a girl. And you can see them and you're going, that's what I think some of those pro women are doing to the industry. They're really like, you know, they're doing it. Yeah. drawing I attention. That, I think that's a great point. And one of our, our members of our team, Leslie Smith, she 
she kind of brings up a point regularly when we're at races about the personality differentiations between the men and, men and the women, like how the men get together and talk or the personalities we display versus the women personalities and how Leslie would sometimes say like, oh, well, she would just be called a, a bitch if she talked like Sam Long or something like that. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. I, I see some of that starting to change a bit though, but I, and to your response to Lucy Charles Barkley, like, she absolutely checks every single box in terms of marketability, uh, you know, feminism, yet fierce, um, and then also being a truly lovely person. And I think, not to take anything away from Daniela, but Daniela had all these things too. But the only thing I felt like I never got with Daniela is I never got to know her through anything social media wise. And Lucy is very, very out there for the world to see. So, and and what I've noticed now is Daniela is starting to post more of her like lifestyle hiking stuff. And I really am enjoying that because she's always been a bit of a, you know, a closed book. Like, and I think she's probably a lovely person we'd all like to get to know. So she's not, think, she's uh, not bad, but you said you're a bit out there and controversial. You're not, you're kind of, you know, you're not afraid of it, but I will tell you like, Lucy Charles Barkley has a great social media team. You ping her up. You say, Hey, listen, I, I'm doing my first Ironman. I'm like super nervous or whatever. I don't care if it's her responding or not. You get a response, you get a response and it doesn't matter. And she's really supportive and really encouraging to, to women in the industry. Um, I must've sent three messages, I think, cause Danielle was doing um, uh, Tulsa as well. Mm. You never hear back. You don't get any support. You try to smile at her. Like she doesn't smile and I get it. It's race day and stuff. But then you have like Lucy, who is a very, very, very sociable, happy kind of person. And so I think they can learn a lot from her. If Daniela was going to learn, you ha she has to think of the inspiration that she like by really engaging with other women in the industry, she can really make a big difference and change it. And, and it's something that we see a lot. Like there's a whole, it's really weird because I don't, maybe Leslie can agree or disagree with this, but women are very like there is a, there's a, there's a difference is they're super competitive against each other. So there's a thing, as I said, I have my background is neurosciences. And if women don't think that they can win something or do something, they have a quitting mentality. Like it does, if they shut down, they actually don't even want to race or they don't even want to mm -hmm. do it. Men are different. Men are different. They're like, maybe I won't win. And they know that, but they're like, I'm going to go out and I'm going to go out balls to the walls and I'm going to just like kill it. And I'm going to do it. But women have a very opposite mindset. It's actually proven that women, if they don't think that they can do really well or win something, they tend to just close out, don't want to talk to anybody. They go into their zone and, and it's weird and they don't mingle with each other. But you see the guys do it all the time. The guys are very together and they're very supportive. You even see them running together. And it's like women are very solo. And it's um, it's weird because even in training, I, I've watched myself um, go up, 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 up in different levels in training. And, uh, and I would say I pretty much train all by myself. I don't think I, I, you won't, you just won't. And yet everybody wants to see my numbers, but they don't want to train with you because they don't want to compete because they're like, if they can't mm. beat you, they don't want to train with you. It's a very different mentality for women than it is for men in the industry. And it's very obvious. I mean, we can all see the difference between genders when it comes to friendliness during training, friendliness at camps, and then just groups of people. Like very rarely do you see a group of five or six women just out for like a good old easy jog, unless they're on a, on a cross country team or something. So that's a great point. It's a great point. It's going to change. It, everything evolves and everything changes and everything ebbs and flows. I mean, it is what it is, but, uh, but you know what? I think when you see people, like I said, when you see the more feminine, more Lucy Charles, the more Heather Jackson's, the happiness and the, and the kind of like camaraderie and the like supportingness and stuff like that, that you saw even at the world's um, when Lucy was waiting for all the other women to finish and was hugging them and you know, all that stuff, you can see it happening. So it's actually, it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. And then just like everything there's evolution, man. So it's going to be, it's going to be really cool to see where, where triathlons go and just to see that merge. I think you'll probably see women and men merge faster than you'll see all the women merge together personally speaking. Well, I've had tons of women training partners throughout the years and we always get along great. So I think yep. that that dynamic also works for both partner partners. Cause you know, the women do their same workout or the same sets and we all meet together afterwards, but we know there's no competition there. So there's no reason to do anything but supportive. So I do, yeah, you're right. It's, it's going to keep changing, but anyways, it will. you're, you're like, probably one of our like most inspiring guests from what you've come from. And I didn't expect you to through. know all this knowledge about the pro fields, but it's very cool that you did. 
<laughs> I'm kind of, listen, man, I, I don't believe that there's like, I think if you have, there's a, there's a thing that says inside of you, like if you neuroscience wise, if any of you have this kind of goal in your head that you think you want to do something, there's, there's only your brain doesn't lie to you. So if you believe that you can get to Kona, if you believe that you can, you know, have, you know, win first place at a race, whatever the case is, if you, if you believe it in your head, if your head tells you to go for that, it actually is possible because your brain doesn't lie. It doesn't know the difference between truth or lie. So whatever you want to do, you can actually do. Um, you have it in you to do it. It's how bad do you want it? How bad are you going to train for it? And what kind of effort are you going to put into it? And it's just telling you, you can do it. So mine is just that telling energy, you, keep going. That energy rearranges the universe. It absolutely does. I'm like the prime example of that. Yep. Exactly. And, and that's, that's the thing is it's like what you, what you throw out and what you believe it's all possible. There is no friggin' limit. There's no limit at all. I mean, you're seeing, what was it? A 66 year old woman yesterday, uh, a Paralympic 66 year old Paralympic woman finished a marathon in three 30. That's in your like, you know, how, how is that possible? And, you know, you're looking better nutrition, better training, better thing, but the mindset of the people who do these incredible things, you know, somewhere along the line, she says, I can do this in under three hours and 30 minutes. And she did. And you just said friggin'. So good. Good. Job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, I wanted to say something else, but I'm going to totally, <laughs> you know, what was brought up saying the F-bomb is not classy. So <laughs> that's well, good. Now it's really awesome. So much though. For, Thanks, yeah, guys. Like, for all your knowledge, your story, your, you know, excitement about the sport. We, we, uh, we love it. And, you know, we, like Eric said, we love when women who have experience and who are like really motivating come on because we're just a bunch of dudes talking and you know we <laughs> like our female listeners to have themselves represented as well so that's that's really great i think it's and, great uh, you know what i'm hoping we're gonna get this out to a lot of women so let's do yeah, it where yeah. can people find you we'll put it in the show notes but you know where where can people reach out to you if they want to yeah they can just find me on instagram they can just go marianne gillespie i'm all over instagram it's not hard to find and uh, my company's name is actually red apple coaching which is my prime company and um and then also uh, girl abundance is uh, the newest company that we're opening which is a hundred percent uh mentorship to uh females in business so awesome. oh yeah. man yeah there's no stopping man you get one you get one circle at this world you get one life you get one shot so you gotta, you know, you gotta do everything that you want to do because you're not going to get a second chance to do it. I'm a better person because this, this episode. <laughs> I hope so. I'm just buttering you up so I can get some tips on Patagonia. Okay. <laughs> you can have all the tips. I'll get you. I'll even make sure you get an entry and you can avoid all the lines. Okay. I kind of like that. You know what? I got this on record. I got this on record. So yeah. promise. I'm just going to hit you guys up later and figure out like at some point I got, I got to give up just being on a road bike and really go for, for a big girl bike. I think so. So I gotta, I gotta figure that out for 2022. Apparently I have to order soon. We'll set you up with that for sure. I love it. uh, We'll probably chat about that right after we're done recording, but we should probably cut this off for the listeners. This part of it anyways. Thanks so much. (laughs) You got it. You got it. Thanks guys. Well, that was an awesome episode. Um, she's definitely an inspiration. She's so overly, not overly, but she's always super excited. And I feel like that's something, you know, having that level of energy, if you're going to do that much stuff, it's good to have that level of energy. Uh, but one big thing that I kind of took away from that, and we didn't touch on it a lot, but she did mention how she has all these coaches, how when she, every time she starts something new, she immediately seeks out coaching and she immediately seeks out you know like advisors and I think that's something that a lot of people that go into something like she said like with real estate I don't want to speak too much to that because I'm not in real estate but a lot of people try something new and they think that they know it and they they don't want to be told that they're wrong and they don't go after something like that and they don't seek out advisors and people that know what they're doing to help them and they really miss out because of that. So that's something that can definitely be translated into sport. Uh, you know, like the most successful athletes have coaches, have advisors, doesn't matter how much they've been in the sport and how much they think they know, they always have someone looking in. And especially if you don't know anything about the sport, get yourself yeah. a coach. Yeah, it's pretty easy to kind of work through it mentally. Like people have been there, they've made the mistakes, they've learned, or they've learned from other people. So you might as well learn from them. But yeah, I agree. She, it's really cool that she jumps in and tells the people 
you know, finds the best coaching team and goes for it. And then, then all you got to do is focus on putting in the work. So um, that being said, we have coach openings on our real try squad coaching. <laughs> I'm not uh, taking on well, athletes right now, but Eric, Eric honestly, you? yeah, I, I'm taking on a couple of athletes. Uh, I've had a few athlete slots open for a couple months now. If anyone's interested, reach out, reach out on Instagram. Um, you know, it's fine, but Nick only has 30, so he can take on another 10. Or yeah. But uh, so one thing I just, before we wrap that up or to wrap that up, one thing I did want to say is, man, I love doing this podcast because we get to talk to awesome people like that. And, you know, that's not someone who she's not a professional athlete, but that was probably one of the best conversations we've had on this podcast. And we say that a lot. And that just goes to show like why we got into this podcasting business quotation yeah. marks business um business but yeah just for conversations like that and it was awesome <laughs> yes i agree it's a super cool conversation that we've had with her and people that we would never talk to other or never had the chance to, to get to know otherwise which is awesome and she had a huge amount of knowledge about you know some of the pro athletes and role models in the sport which is super cool um but yeah, I mean, really cool. And she's just going to keep getting faster, especially when she gets on a time trial bike. She ran a road bike. Um, I feel like we're going to have her on in like two years and she's going to be like, I won Kona, my age group, or something <laughs> like that, or she's doing Ultraman. Interesting to see where she takes it because she's obviously going to just keep pushing. Yeah. I mean, running three businesses, training 16 hours a week, that's nuts. But <laughs> crazy. Did she sleep? We forgot to ask her that. Uh, I don't think she does. She said she trains out and trains in the middle of the night and at 4am. So <laughs> it's true. Uh, yeah. Well, that was an awesome interview. And so for you guys, which is listeners, which is all, however many of you there are, I'm about to sneeze. Ugh. Oh, my sneeze went away. Ooh, well, Phew, oh, no, it didn't. there we go. <laughs> Bless you. Bless you, Jackson. Anyways, that's not what I was going to say. What I was going to say is we have kind of neglected the giveaways because we're moving to a different model we're going to start with quarterly giveaways so that we can really put more into it make a bigger giveaway usually more than one prize or one really big prize so we got one coming up we're going to be giving something away at the end of october we we're already talking to our sponsors and some other brands we're going to get some really cool stuff for you guys so thank you for sticking with us on the patreon and we're going to be getting that bonus content out to you as well so um we are also open to hearing what do you want for bonus content? Who do you want us to try to get an interview with? Do you want it to be, you know, a pro? Do you want us to bring our, you know, our spouses on and have a chat with them and ask them all the most annoying things we do? I'm sure that would be pretty ridiculously That'd funny. That'd be a long, well. long episode. <laughs> yeah, I might just let them run it and just go <laughs> do something else. But uh, anyways, we're going we're gonna to keep taking care of the patrons. So thanks for sticking with us on that. Anything else on the team front? I feel like we haven't talked about the team much. We were, Dean's kind of wrapping up here. Nick and I are doing Ironman Mallorca. Leslie's going to be done for a bit and I think do a later season race. Garrick's obviously not racing for a little bit. He's recovering from the first surgery. Back to swimming and biking. So he's, he's making progress. Yep. Uh, and after the second surgery, we're going to start doing um, some YouTube updates just to show what the journey back is like uh, because this is such a common surgery that a lot of people get. And I think a lot of people think they don't, or a lot of people don't get this surgery because they think it is career ending. So just having that documented. So if someone comes up through the situation, they're like, Oh, it's not that bad. Assuming I get back to racing and or it is that bad, but yeah. whatever happens, we're going to see it. Exactly. But the only competitions Garrick's going to be in in any time soon is with me golfing this weekend at our stag and doe weekend for my wedding. So who do you think is going to win that Eric or me, Put your, put your guesses out there. I think, I don't know. I feel like Garrick is going to be pretty tough. I haven't, I haven't come across any triathletes who can beat me at golf yet. I'm not that good, but triathletes typically really suck at golf. So um, we'll see. Yeah. I don't even know if I can hit a driver right now with my hip so i may only be playing short game we might we might put you up on the, the front tees and just have you do a nice little half swing and, and uh on the youth tees the youth tees yeah yeah the fairway <laughs> anyways i think we're done 
Is there anything else you want to add to that, Garrett? No, stay tuned. Um, yeah, I can't wait to watch Jack race and Iron Man. Um, I've seen Nick do too many of them, and he's doing another. So, <laughs> <laughs> oh god, yeah. Oh, little tiny update on that. I rode 180k today with three hours at Ironman pace. So that was just, just lovely. I got through it, and that was that. And then uh, tomorrow I'm running. 32, 33K with 25K at Ironman pace. So those are my two biggest, you know, bikes and runs preparation. And that's mostly probably more mental training than anything just to get through those. So that'll be be it. And uh, check out my Instagram to see how I'm doing in the lead up because it's a different thing for me. So I'm pretty excited. Yeah. And if you enjoyed the podcast, please leave a review for us. That'd be awesome. It really helps us out and share it with your friends um we had talbot share it last week and that was awesome it increased our regular listening rate by 50 percent so yeah, really yeah it's awesome sweet we just got to start bribing people to hey bud give you 50 bucks to yeah <laughs> yeah so shout out to talbot that was our second most ever downloaded episode was from last week so sweet awesome all right well jack until next time Peace. Out. I got ish to do. Flying through the sky in my parachute. Dancing on the couch like I'm Tommy Cruise. On a one-man mission trying to see it through.